Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask is not Be sure to adjust your own mask before helping others. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holy Loki Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for you freaky motherfuckers out there, Sebastian's Adams. On today's episode, we will be discussing preferences as well as that concept of no fats, no films, and no old people. And I am blessed to have Lori on the line with me. How are you doing today? Oh, so sweet. I'm doing good. Thanks. <laughs> great Thanks for having me. It is a absolute pleasure to have you with us. Uh, since this is your first time being on the podcast, uh, give that opportunity of letting people know exactly who you are, what you do, your coaching, and all that greatness. So, Lori, <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> I, I guess you could describe me as a jack of all trades. I'm a life coach. I'm an uh, LGBTQ gender sexuality experts. I like to public speak and train on inclusivity. And I also am a K-12 art teacher. So I have a little bit of everything in my in my handbag. But I primarily enjoy life coaching and consulting. That is my main gig. Um, you could find me at includelgbtq.com to see all the info on me. <laughs> Yes, we love to hear it. We love a jack of all trades as well. Um, the that uh, website will definitely be in the show notes for everybody. So, what is it that got you into life coaching? My my journey. I I think most life coaches wind up getting into, or most um, wellness experts, mental health professionals wind up getting into the service industry from their own life experiences being the, the stem that starts it all. Um, a few years ago, I wound up uh, going through my own transformation in my life. And I divorced my husband at the time of 10 years with my took my two kids and left and started to rework my life, looking at all my aspects. I guess uh, some people might call that a midlife crisis. I call that a midlife transition. Mm -hmm. I like <laughs> and that I came out, um, I wound up dating a whole lot of different people and I uh, came out as a lesbian and then I wound up going through a, my own gender transition too and I'm non-binary or gender fluid, we'll talk about what that means in a little bit probably, but I, 
I really also looked at all aspects of my life to see where I was feeling most authentic, what was really me and what was really the me that I thought I needed to be to, to that I was trying to be in my old life. And as I was doing that, I discovered some of my strengths. And one of my really big strengths is being a great listener and being able to help people see within them, um, see clearly what it is that they really want and need from their own strengths and pulling that out. So I use that in my life coaching. And I also, uh, as a teacher, wound up helping a lot of parents with their kids in the schools um, that were gender questioning or uh, having some trouble understanding why they were different. And that could have been because of uh, their learning differences or um, neuro differences. But uh, I found a strength in helping parents see their kids through a new lens and helping kids and parents communicate. And so part of my life coaching also involves helping parents and kids in the schools navigating all of all of the difficulties of trying to be themselves when it's really hard in the schools to find yourself in those busy crowds of kids that are very clicky as they're going through their middle school and high school lives. See, you spoke on two things that I, I do want to like, you know, um, gloss over quickly. Uh, yeah. One of those is just the uh, finding the authentic you uh, mm-hmm. and how um, many people are co- in, in a way molded by the environment that they're in and the influence of other people to the point where they often lose themselves and they have to like peel back the onion, let's say, and find the root in who they were and who they are today and then who um, they identify as as their authentic self. And the other thing, uh, actually, let's go on to that part first and then I'll sure. bring up the second part. All right, so finding your authentic you. You really have to start off. My first recommendation would be to be more mindful. I think as we're walking through our life, where our some of our unconscious is just picking up on things when we were real little, and as we're growing into our adulthood, we're picking up on things that's making our parents very happy and our peers very happy, and as part of our safety mechanisms in our in our minds and in our biology one of those fight or flight mechanisms that just kind of starts to burst and yell at us we want to fit in we want to fit in and be approved of we want to make our parents happy because that's part of our instinct for survival and we want to make our peers happy because they are our tribe and we want to fit in with our tribe however that might not always be what we're most inclined to want. And when we're trying to grow and make friends and make our families happy, we kind of miss sometimes part of that identity development of who am I outside of my group. So so through the preteen and teen years, you see a big push with development of the little ones, finding who they are, pushing against their parents, trying something different, push, finding the right crowd that fits with them. But for the LGBTQ community or for the minority groups that, that don't really have someone that, that fits in with who they really are in that big crowd, they might miss some of that identity development period. And it comes out later on. Mm-hmm. They start to feel that 
oh, this doesn't feel right anymore. I'm starting to notice that like I'm doing things that's making me unhappy and I don't even didn't realize how unhappy I was because I was just trying to fit in with my group. And so that you start to in private sort of like explore a little bit and you're keeping it to yourself because you're afraid of rejection. And then as it starts to wear on you and you feel more depressed, you start to explore that and you wind up finding out that you like something different. And that could be in a variety of things, whether that's career, whether that's sexuality, whether that's gender, whether that's uh, hobbies that you ignored for so long, mm. you know, or um, food, uh, their travel, uh, the way you spend your money, the, the way you communicate. There's so many things about you that makes you, you and your personality and your life. And if you've been trying really hard to go through the steps of what you know from growing up was going to keep you safe and keep you healthy, keep you in your tribe, and you start to try and explore that later on, you kind of hit that midlife transformation period. Mm. And so people who are starting to hit that for the LGBTQ community, specifically from, from what I was really studying when I was in college, you're going to wind up coming out later in life. Or you're going to start to question your sexuality and your gender as you're feeling uh, you're starting to pay more attention to your unhappiness and you're looking at what you kind of wish or what you're starting to explore. And life coaching um, is really great with helping you question within and question yourself um, as reflecting back upon you some things that you might not be aware of and you're paying attention to the themes that we hear you talking about and we'll pull that out and we'll discuss that and you'll go through some steps of exploring it with more mindfulness mm. to see how it feels and fits on you. So that's, yeah, that's how kind of like how I got started with my, my authentic journey was just, you know, uh, questioning a lot of things about myself. Did you ever have an experience like that? Uh, I will say, yes, I definitely did. Most definitely in college. Uh, that was when I decided to like take a step back. Like, um, most definitely when I became more sexually active, uh, I realized that I went from zero to 100 real quick. And I was like, just out here, just hooking up with people and not really thinking as much about what I'm really doing until I took a pause and was like, okay, why am I acting out this way? Why am I seeking pleasure and not really focusing on uh, any outside, like, what is it that's driving these influences? Um, because I'm sacrificing my uh, my education to seek this pleasure. And um, by taking that pause to understand, okay, this might be rooted in something else. Um, why am I acting this, this way? It caused me to self-reflect a lot deeper, understand myself a lot more, yeah. and even address some of the traumas that I had in my past. Um, so definitely, Definitely recommend like finding your authentic self, but even outside of college, uh, as I began to be in the uh, workforce, uh, trying to discover what it is that I like about certain jobs, what it is that I want to do, or even yeah. the goals that I held since I was a um, very young kid. Uh, I learned over the years that some of these things are just the careers that other people said that I might look good, uh, good doing, or um, they were just 
fanciful things that I saw on TV and I'm like, okay, maybe I would like to do that. Or uh, when it's like, oh, you need to be a leader. So my goal is let me be the top-notch CEO. Not uh, Well, it was the president of a university, but then I learned more about those roles and what they do. And I'm just like, I don't want to be depressed. <laughs> I don't, don't want to be in a cubicle behind a desk, behind a screen all day long. It's exactly. not me. Yeah. Like when I learned how much politicking uh college president has to do I was like I, I cannot do that I I want to be there for the students I don't care about the financial side of things uh, of, of course it's needed and it's necessary but that's not the type of person I am I want to have that hands-on uh, communication with the team hands-on involvement with the students make sure that they're growing uh, and being more like themselves because in education it is uh, a learning process as well as a process of learning yourself. And if I'm not going to be a part of that, then I don't want to be in it, uh, essentially. Yes, there's a lot of studies on the, the healthy attitude of reflecting upon yourself and um, being more self-aware and going through that journey of that sparks happiness. When you're taking that time to be mindful of yourself, it, you make, you're becoming more aware of who you are and when you're aligning yourself with who you are, you're, you're fulfilled, you're happy. Yes, exactly. Um, the second thing I wanted to talk about, I'm sorry, people, we are not really in the episode yet. We will get there. Uh, <laughs> we will, I promise. But the second thing I wanted to talk about, because uh, you mentioned um, like helping to reframe the thoughts of the parents and how they approach their children. And um, I, I think about how, uh, oftentimes parents mold their kids to be a miniature them oh gosh, rather yes. than let the, uh, the kid express who they are and be who they are. Yeah. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head there. Um, <laughs> there's okay. So there's, there are parents out there. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there for those of you who are those parents who will let their children explore who they are and support them in that. But also, on the other flip side of that, there's a large population of parents that love seeing their mini me. Mm. They're 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 seeing their themselves or what they wish that they were able to do when they were little reflected into their children, and they're really pushing themselves their children into that role. So they'll take them to the sports that they want to be involved in. They'll play, have them go into the band program, playing the instrument they want to play. They'll put them in the clothes that they like to wear. <laughs> they'll even cut their hair styling, reflecting after them. A lot of, um, every now and then you find those parents that also have like every child, a different version of their own name. And there's that real narcissistic look right there where they're, uh, they have mini me's in every way, shape or form. They, they like to um, be able to show off themselves through their children. And while some kids really do want to be like their parents and idolize them and want to join in with that, they also want to go through an exploration and see if they like other things too. And that's really hard for them to then go to this authority figure, this person in front of them that is in charge of their shelter, their food, their well-being, their health, their education, everything. They're in charge of everything for them and say to them, parental unit, <laughs> I don't want to do this today. <laughs> I don't want to be in this game. I don't want to play five sports after school. I don't want to be... Um, going to this uh, function with you dressed up like you. And 
is really hard. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss includes kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. After school, I don't want to be um, going to this uh, function with you dressed up like you. And it's really hard for a kid to st- that's still go- growing to stand up to their their parent and say no thank you can I try this instead um and so you'll start to see some conflicts you know and and the parent is not really listening they're they're not open they're not open enough to hear exactly what the kid's trying to say and the kid's not communicating exactly what their problem is they're just putting up this wall or acting out in a different way so getting them to learn how to communicate together is a big challenge but if a parent has come to me, they're already interested in taking that step. Mm-hmm. So there's a window there. That's the hardest part for me is to see the families struggle and not not realize that they can get help or not want to get help because they're too right. And my child's just a subordinate underneath me and I'm not going to pay attention to that. That is so hard to watch. Yes. And so hard to to see, and you just want to scoop up the kid and be like, "It's okay, you'll get your day," but mm-hmm. but it's not right now, child. <laughs> so you just <laughs> you just try and support them outside of that with when they come to you, you know, um, outside of that. But when the parents do come to me and they're like worried, they're like, uh, "Laura, you know, we really worried about our child. They're acting out. They're doing these strange things, and we don't understand why." I have a window then, like they're curious. Mm-hmm. And the curiosity leads to learning and they're, they're a little bit more open to that. So it's just a matter of uh, finding the right, the right way of showing them that this is just the kid trying to communicate and they don't know how yet. And you don't know how to listen. And we're going to work on that. Mm, that's a word. <laughs> Not trying to listen. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like there's there's the the hearing, but then there's the listening. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's a word. Okay. Right? So, I guess this will be the perfect time to go into the episode. Now, one of the things that we were t- uh, talking about within the intake uh, meeting was like attractions and modeling, and you uh, mentioned something about Abercrombie and Fitch. Ah. Um, <laughs> and was it uh, was it like how they select the people or their advertisement? I forgot, but what what was the story behind them? There, oh, there's a lot of scandals with them from back in the day. I think it came up because we were talking a bit about body image mm-hmm. and the media. 
And Abercrombie and Fitch got it has like this Netflix episode. I'm looking at the the name of it right over here. White Hot: The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. It's a documentary, and they're talking a lot about the blatant racist lines that they had. But they also get into the discriminatory uh, practices and the sexual harassment and their homophobia. Mm. And so, like, there was. It was really interesting. I only saw parts of it. I don't have to finish watching it yet, but I was reading a lot of articles back when we were talking about um, that stuff because I was really uh, interested in seeing um, in biases and how they're formed in that time. I was like doing a lot of research on that. And we were discussing together like body image. And so now Abercrombie Fitch was like the first thing that popped in my head. You have these giant billboards with uh, very like, um, skimpily dressed, uh, what the what the media is portraying as like the perfectly sculpted um, ideal that everybody needs to look like. Because why else would they make it this gigantic billboard with those bodies on it if it wasn't supposed to be like held up on a pedestal, you know? And in that time period when they were really like hot as a brand, they they didn't uh, the people who were photographing it and the people who were um, doing the advertising and creating the lines um, I don't think I don't think they realized or maybe they did but I don't think they realized just exactly how how racist and stereotypical and prejudiced they were being with the way they were selecting their models and the way that they were advertising on their clothing lines like the different things that were being said on the clothing lines, the way that the advertisements were were wording things. Mm-hmm. And it was there was a lot of lawsuits and protests that were happening towards the end of the the fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> and that's what they go through in that documentary. It's supposed to be a really interesting documentary and hit a lot of uh, media to it. But um the media and this uh our social environments like we were talking about with our um, forming our identity and not being authentic. That's a part of the problem is some of the things we're exposed to. They're held. We have things that are held in front of us as the you should be's. Mm-hmm. And whether we, whether we realize it or not, we're taking in all this information in our environment and we're really holding on to it in our hearts and feeling it as something that we need to live by and look like and feel like and act like. And so um, I never fit into Abercrombie and Fitch jeans. <laughs> they were made, oh. they were made for <laughs> real teeny tiny people. And I am a very uh, well-rounded person. <laughs> I, I remember my first time ever going to uh, one of their stores and I think I went with my cousin. I was like, okay, let's see what they have. And I don't think they even had a size bigger than the XL. I feel like the largest that they had was a large. Uh, and I'm just like, okay, so I'm mm-hmm. guessing you're not it's, for me. <laughs> you're, you're not what they wanted. Uh, if you were not, and you know what? Their larges weren't larges. The larges were like two sizes too small anyway. Like, exactly. yeah. Um, and I'm looking at this one article on my screen and uh, I'm going to like one of the lines in it, and I'm going to sum it up so that I'm not plagiarizing, but just that they were showing and casting models that only had a certain look. And that was the white um, European Eurocentric person. 
And they were anybody else that tried to come out and be a model for them were not considered pretty enough if they weren't very white and very skinny, very sculpted in a certain way. And that wasn't what they wanted to have people. They didn't want people wearing those their clothes if they weren't that particular look. Mm. So they came under a lot of fire for that and they had a lot of protests they wound up getting into a lot of trouble for for the way they treated their models and there was other things that happened along those lines there and um there was another part that was really neat to see and that had to do with uh (laughs) someone making fun they were making fun of the advertisement of all these these men that were topless holding each other in a field kind of frolicking a bit and they were trying to advertise to the heteronormative and they were saying that you're going to be more masculine and manly if you're if you look like this and they when they found out that they were make, appealing to um more of a home a homoerotic look to the way they were acting and they're having their models the the head honchos were like oh hell no and they shut it down and so there was a huge scandal with that too so (laughs) i had brought that up for that reason like people are trying to showcase this one ideal and now we have this nice push in our media that we're seeing variety of body types, variety mm-hmm. of ethnicities, variety of uh, sexualities and gender in a lot more of the mainstream, um, I don't know if it's mainstream per se, but a lot more of the media that's advertising clothing lines because they've started to have after this an escalate of, of free fall of, <laughs> um, of lawsuits that we uh, the media needs to be more inclusive and more open to the actual population that they're serving so i'm hopeful that that helps change some biases as to like what we what people need to look like to be healthy and happy um but along those lines you might have that that look and and the actual reality is people are attracted to a much more wide range than what we're showing in the media so it's okay to not look like what you're seeing on the tv because the reality is in their own all of our studies is that people are much more open than what's being portrayed to what they're attracted to and what they're interested in for relationships or for erotic play or for dating or not dating so there's hope for everybody (laughs) let's hope it uh, let's hope everything works out in the better because um just even thinking about how uh abercrombie uh, and fitch and like so other uh, many other clothing designers and marketing in general like the impact that has on your psyche like i like what you mentioned about how their larges were not actually large sizes someone who's walking in there who's used to wearing a large and we're in a society that shames people for getting plus size and whatnot and you try to uh, squeeze into your regular size and now you're it's not fitting well now you're feeling like you're fat as though that you uh have gained so much weight and there's nothing that really happened to your body it's just that they're marketing um in Mm -hmm. such a way in sizing things too small so now you feel like there's something wrong with your body you think you know yourself and then you go and put on something and it's not 
It's not fitting the way you expect it to. It's upsetting. It's upset as validly upsetting. Mm -hmm. And that, that um, brings up the concept of just body confidence. And um, like we, I would say I've seen so much body shaming, even though it's it's like an implicit thing that happens these days. Like even within my family, they might share something that's funny. Um, but the thing that the funny thing that they think is like that they're sending it, um, you know, to share with everybody. The funny part is the size of the person, meaning that they're plus size and not that there's a funny action that ever happened. It's like it's um whenever yeah it's a very huge microaggression like what what's really funny about this like did they say something funny did they fall did they um well I don't like when people fall anyways but you know like Mm -hmm. what's where's the comedy other than oh this is a plus-size person um so let's laugh at them like uh even when it comes to um um, going back to someone falling is usually the thing that's funny about the person falling is that it's a plus size person falling off a bike falling off um, a ledge or whatever it is they're falling so they're the act of them falling and then we shift to a cartoon image a boom or something like that as though that um, they really shook the world when they fell how is that supposed to be funny? And then on top of that, we live where people are trying to be body positive, um, but at the same time, say things that slight the positivity mm. of whatever the person's doing. It's like, oh, like the you're so brave kind of thing, rather than, oh, I love the way that you look, and leave it at that. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the backhanded um, compliments, <laughs> those <laughs> Uh, what was one that um, I'm trying to remember what was my family said is something similar, but it was um, related to my sexuality. They're like, we love you anyway. And when you hear we love you anyway, I don't hear I love you. I hear despite this problem that you're having of being a lesbian, I still love you. That's that's how it sounds to me. And I don't think that there's a part of it where they don't realize that 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 language they hear it all the time and it's coming out and it's like showing some unconscious bias in there and so having to correct them becomes unfortunately the the per, the the my issue of having to teach them and i and as the um the only lesbian in the family <laughs> it, it stinks having to be that person who is needing to be like by the way you all suck at your talking to me like, you got to stop this <laughs> like, it shouldn't be my my learn my having to learn teach them it should be them taking on that am I doing the right thing here or am I accidentally hurting her and that's really hard to get through to the majority around you when they're using this language that is so hurtful microaggressions are extremely hurtful and for and <laughs> for people that are dealing with microaggressions related to weight, whether that's super, super skinny or super, super um, larger in size or extra muscular or not muscular enough or too tall or too short, whatever the two is in your head. And you're dealing with that around you. That is really hard. You have, um, you, you deal with it everywhere you go. I, I was on a public uh, public transportation and the seats finally got to be too tight around my hips. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, 
please no. Why can't, why, why, <laughs> why is this happening? And I have my medication that I take affects my weight. And so when people tell me, oh, you know, just, just diet, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, well, I could just stop taking my medication and be totally mental on y'all, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like the dieting is not going to work for me and dieting doesn't have to happen either. I shouldn't have to deal with this just because um, the public transportation didn't think that they could needed to have um, a little bit, tiny bit wider seats or take the arms out so people could just sit no matter what their size is. And there's a lot of people that are my size. My, I can never find my size on the rack because it's always getting sold out. That says something. Mm. So the having to educate all the time is one of those parts of dealing with a microaggression that can wear you down. So the stress that builds up from the little things that happen through the day, the the things that people are saying that they're not aware of that's hurting you, the places and the environment that you're going to that reminds you of how different you are, even though you might not be because you're not seeing really within everybody else what they're dealing with and what their their issues are. They might be dealing with the same things as you. So feeling lonely because of that, all those things can really affect your, your overall wellness. And Unfortunately, you can't it's, if you don't feel strong enough to constantly remind people and educate them or sharing out information that adjusts their language, like jokes that are actually funny instead of jokes that are hurtful, reminders about how to say I love you without hurting somebody, you know, those kinds of things. If you're not feeling like doing that, then you have to do some other self-care at the end of the day to help let out the stress from all the microaggressions because they build up, they build up and they weigh you down and it sucks. It really does. It really sucks. And um, I was thinking of uh, something that a former classmate of mine was working on. Um, she focused on universal design uh, and how that benefits everyone, essentially. Yeah. Um, like whenever you go to the grocery store, those automatic doors that um, people who are able to walk in and walk out. So uh, like like nothing, those were actually um, built in order for people who are in wheelchairs. Uh, and we take advantage of those because mm. uh, it, it makes our lives easier, but it makes their lives easier. And I was thinking of ableism, like when it comes to like, when you have to purchase a flight and the belief is that, oh, if you're a plus size person, you might as well purchase two tickets so that you can have the room that you want rather than just thinking about why don't we just make these seats big enough for everyone to be comfortable like mm -hmm. we don't need a first class we don't need a set uh, of the you know economy or whatever just make aircrafts in a way that everyone's comfortable you don't have to worry about um like you'll still be making money you'll still be doing yeah. um you know making flights and everything but people will go to your you know your air airline because they are comfortable throughout their ride 
like it does not have to be all about the privilege of the things or um, the ableist mindset. Yeah. Like just make it so that everyone who's going to be in these spaces, most definitely in public transportation, are comfortable that um, we have a space for everyone, regardless that when you come in, you will have a place and you will be comfortable in this place and your ride is going to be smooth. That's not hard. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be this hard that's the problem it should not be this hard that that concept of universal does that i love that word universal it does benefit everybody when we care for everybody when we take every single body into consideration that's a beautiful thing and it sucks for the people that are trying to navigate the world with whatever their physical needs are having to advocate for this themselves all the time. And I'm, it, I'm really hoping that um, more and more consult uh, HR departments are working with consultants and relooking at all of their issues with their services, with their forms, with their buildings and starting to make those transformations in all of these facilities for the first time, I went to a doctor's appointment and their form actually had the spot on it for non-binary and then other. And I was like, holy cow, this is awesome. But uh, other doctor's visits that I went to, they did not have that. And it sucked. I'm staring at the options, male, female. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Should I just circle them both? <laughs> Exactly. So I started writing notes on their forms, <laughs> like as a, the secretary is probably thinks I'm crazy, but they're not going to know if they don't hear from the person that it's affecting that these forms need to be updated because they're not dealing with it. Most of them, like I'm assuming, of course, that most of them are not noticing because if they if there was somebody on their staff that was um in the LGBTQ community that was giving out all these forms, they would have said something most likely and had it fixed. So I'm assuming that the secretaries, the office staff, office management staff are all looking at these forms like, oh yeah, this is it. Husband, wife spot, male, female, age. Okay, we got everything we need and passing it all out. But here I am with the school forms and my doctor's office forms. And I'm like, well, I don't have a husband. Um, but I have to put my wife down on the husband spot. This sucks. So I'm crossing that out and I'm writing spouse. <laughs> and I'm like putting notes in the form. Like, all right, can you please update these forms to be inclusive? Thanks. <laughs> exactly. It's not yeah. hard to have like having inclusive language on any document saves time on a lot of things. It saves time. It might, it might have an impact in terms of, okay, I don't know who I'm going to see, but at the same time, you have a name. You can, um, based off the name, you might can guess who's coming in or whatever, but it doesn't matter. You know that you're seeing a patient. You know that they are married to somebody, and there you go. That's all you need to know. What else do you need? Like, it's, the, it's the assumptions, you know, that really start those little assumptions. They weigh you down. If you're going through your day and you hear people talking about things and you're you're trying to let them know that what they said was not inclusive of you or that they said something that might have hurt you or that they didn't take into consideration X, Y, Z. And it sucks. It sucks Big hearing time. it through the day like that. A little, a little mosquito bites of language used throughout the day. Coming home all 
covered in mosquito bites. It sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, another thing that we talked about, and I think this is, uh, a, I, I guess, a great support in terms of like body confidence and um, building the confidence of who you are. Um, but we discussed surrounding yourself with love. Um, so what are some things that you suggest doing when it comes to surrounding yourself with uh, supportive individuals, with love, care, and all of that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to blanket this with the, I understand that it's really hard in some areas of the world for people to find their tribe. So if you can't find some of these things um, in person, you should uh, hopefully try and uh, try and navigate your way virtually. If you're able to hear this podcast, you might have some access to internet somewhere then. So using the internet's to help out, but finding your tribe, having that support group is the number one thing to help somebody with their mental health and with this, with self-love. So finding people that you can vent to and get validated in helps you feel more you, Mm. helps you hear that what you're thinking and feeling is okay whatever it is, helps with, um, with not feeling alone. And that is a huge, huge help for self-care and self-love, which is what we're talking about. Um, I suggest, of course, all of the, uh, all of the nonprofit groups that can help with whatever your walk of life is, that, you feel most connected to Facebook groups. Sure. Thank they're nice. Sometimes they're not because social media can turn on you real quick. Mm -hmm. So I really recommend support groups that are monitored by someone who has some form of training. So I, yes, I run in-person support groups. Um, A lot of life coaches actually that have had training in some way, shape or form do. Um, but then there are the ones that are that are run by um, for LGBTQ community anyway, run by like the Trevor hotline, um, the pride groups uh, for the various states and then the national ones. All of those doing a quick Google um, will help you find somebody online or in person. I think uh, in person might be a little more complicated for a lot of people. Um, which is why I'm recommending online first, but, uh, they're popping up more and more, um, in various places now that we're no longer in a huge, um, virtual pandemic issue, but that we still see a lot of things more virtual now than we did ever before. Um, so that first, the second thing is a moment of peace where you're just not doing anything but thinking about yourself. So nothing for somebody else, but you moment of peace could be a bubble bath. <laughs> like those are nice, right? Get a nice yes. bath bomb going, some warm water, yes. a few candles lit, uh, whatever Ooh, vibrator or self-love toy, flat ropes your boat, you know, just kidding, but not really. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Masturbate y'all. Absolutely. Masturbate. That, you know what? 
I'm going to be that person that says the studies have shown that self-love and the and actual stimulation really does help with the endorphin flow and the good love hormones that make you feel happy. So if you can't get on a into like a therapist office, grab a dildo. That'll help instead. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Dot the dildo. <laughs> I kid, but not really. <laughs> a walk through the woods, getting around uh, with the greenery and the blue sky above you on the beautiful warm day. But even the warm days in the winter, the winter's coming up. I don't know what day you all are listening to this podcast, but right now it's October that I'm recording this and it's fall in my neck of the woods, which I'm in New Jersey in the United States. And the colors on the leaves on the trees are just so soothing. But as winter comes and as all those winter holidays come, all of our stress levels rise. So when I say a moment of peace, I really do mean don't go shopping online. Don't go to the stores with the crowds. Don't uh, visit the family members that you're going to be dealing with not too long from now, if that's part of your game plan for the holidays. You know, go someplace quiet and relaxing where you can just be with yourself and whatever it is that makes you happy in that moment. Journaling helps with releasing things that are on your minds and that can feel like a weight lifted off your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Um, Writing down gratitude lists, have a small shift. It's not a huge long-term shift. It's a small shift in your happiness levels. So it's worth it for those short-term needs. That moment of gratitude as a part of your practice can increase your happiness levels slightly. And um, thankfulness uh, in the form of a ritual so if it's not writing it down, if it's a for, if it's lighting a candle and having something like your favorite snack or petting your pet and just saying to yourself in this moment, this is nice. I have what I need around me. Those rituals are also very important for your state of minds. So like I think those are my two top ones for self-care, self-love that I recommend across the board for everybody. Get into the habit of. I love it. Well, I I just know the lesson I took is that I'm definitely giving me a dildo. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Woo! I took all of it. In. I yes. Took all of it. <laughs> if you did not, please go back and listen to all of that. That's some quality advice. If you cannot find uh, there a therapist, um, going for a walk is needed. Journaling, um, focusing on gratitude, being thankful, all of that is uh, wonderful and needed just so that you can feel here and present in that peace mm-hmm. most definitely avoiding anybody that can um that triggers you or even um, provides yes. negative emotions if you can avoid it avoid it um honestly when it comes to these approaching holidays if you don't see yourself getting along with the people that are going to be in that room just don't show up right like Throw your own holiday. <laughs> I'm going to plug in the National Suicide Hotline right now at this moment. Um, I'm so happy that that is available for everybody free of charge. Just just like uh, we have the emergency line of 911 where I am in New Jersey. Oh, the United States has a national mental health hotline, 988. And I highly recommend it for everybody with this upcoming holiday season. We all care about you and 
we all want you around. So that's uh, the number one priority is our mental health. Um, life coaches will help with general um, stress levels, unhappiness in life, and reaching uh, reaching and changing transitions in life and reaching fulfillment. Therapists will help with that, sure, but they are also really primarily working with pathology. So if you have a mental illness, a serious depression that's ongoing, anxiety that's ongoing, um, any sort of uh, disability, uh, this just not being capable of functioning in your daily life. So you're going from real low levels and needing a lot of support to just reaching, managing your daily life. That's when you really need a therapist. And if you can't afford a therapist, I would call the 988 number and talk to somebody and they can point you in the right direction for somebody that can help. So please take care of that yourselves. I appreciate you for dropping that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a need. It's a, uh, it's a necessity. Um, the info on that will also definitely be in the show notes, um, as well as tips on how you can find a therapist, too. So be on the lookout for that, too. Uh, well, there's a link to, like, whatever. You, yeah. You'll be able to find a therapist <laughs> from the link that's, <laughs> that's going to be in the show notes. Um now, to wrap up this episode, before we get into the Never Have I Ever segment, um, two things that I do want to uh, address, and that is the impact of peer pressure. Um, well, the impact that peer pressure has on our dating preferences, as well as how some individuals may settle for like the safe option when it does come to their dating. Um, like how just because all their friends are saying that, oh, this person will look great for you, or this is uh, the person who we see that's best, uh, you settle for that rather than focusing on who you are most comfortable with loving. Uh, this is also uh, in terms of like people who are on the LGBTQ spectrum in trying to pass as heterosexual where they're going for the safe option of the heterosexual partner and rather than the partner that really does fulfill their their desires uh, so what is your um your sentiment on that you know <clears throat> it is extraordinarily common for people to move along with a group that accepts them right away instead of a group that really validates and fulfills them. That just general baseline of acceptance um, shouldn't be what you strive for. It should You should be striving for a fulfilling relationship, one that uplifts and supports you, one that brings you joy, one that is a healthy relationship where you can be yourself outside of them and come together and have a great time. One that makes you feel good about being you. So look within yourself and think about who you want to be. Who are you? What brings you joy? And find that reflected in a group. Mm. And that could potentially be your tribe then that is more fulfilling than the baseline of oh, they said hi to me and they're accepting me and they invited me out. So uh, that's the only reason why I'm with them right now. Just to have somebody on your arm as your partner, just because you're lonely is not going to bring you joy. You're still going to be lonely. Mm. You're going to be lonely in a relationship that doesn't fulfill you. 
So don't strive for your baseline. Strive for greatness because you deserve it. And yes, you do. I know that some people sitting there like, oh, you know, I'm never going to find somebody that really likes me. I'm not worthy of X, Y, Z. That's also something very common language that I hope people will start to shift and have some self-compassion and self-love on themselves. You are going to find somebody that cares for you as you, but you won't if you have a, a basic person on your arm just to have someone on your arm. You're not giving yourself the chance to shine then. You're just walking through life in the shadows of whatever comes your way. So I really hope that people will work on themselves first, know themselves really well. And when they see who they are and they see that they're worthy of real love and attention and support and an awesome relationship, then look for that reflected in the people around you. You you really thrive and shine when you have good people around you. So where do we meet these people? Um, well, I met my wife on uh, OkCupid. <laughs> so I guess you could go there. <laughs> That's one um, place. It was, it was kind of fun, uh, you know, filling out those little quizzes and stuff, you know, and, and being able to get like quote unquote matches at like mm -hmm. the 90% level. <laughs> I was like, oh, this person is supposed to be good with me. Okay, I'll see what happens here. Uh, so that was fun. But it's not always fun having to swipe left or right. It can be really upsetting and, um, and not work for some people. And it's a lot of fun trying new things that you enjoy. So why not go on a site um, looking for people on like meetup.com and joining somewhere, some groups that are going out for walks or going to your favorite restaurants or playing Dungeons and Dragons. There's all kinds of cool, awesome things out there that you can just take that, that step of trying something new related to who you actually are and who the people you want to be around and creating a new community for yourself through that finding somebody. Um, let's see, I... Uh, I know of a handful of people that just started to meet people through meetup.com, but also created their own events on these virtual sites mm -hmm. and through their churches. If they're part of that, um, that would be something fun to do, but creating something, if there's nothing there, why can't you just be that person that starts it? Because there's other people out there like you that, are hoping to find something and just don't have the drive to, or the confidence to go out and do it. Be that person that starts that fire. Yes. Oh, uh, that reminds me Eventbrite is a very yes. easy place to like, just start something and just yeah. like, let it be free. People love free things and they will attend. Most of them is a virtual meeting. Um, and if it's something like, let's say, like right now with House of the Dragon being um, very high on a lot of people's radar, if you wanted to just have a speaking event um, about House of the Dragon, as soon as the episode's off, everybody comes in and meet and talk about the show. That's a great way to meet people. And Love. you never know, you might have, uh, I won't say you might get a DM because it depends. If you have your social, all right, let's do it this way. Put your social <laughs> media handle in your, where your name is in whatever Zoom call or whatever platform you're using to have that virtual meeting. And if somebody reaches out to you and, you know, for y'all yeah. to go meet, also verify before meeting. Like I, 
get the um, video aspect of, you know, we were on this call together, so I know that you might be real. Uh, let's yes, do a yes, virtual yes. conversation, virtual date. We have a conversation. We then move it on to the, like, the real world, if it's possible. But, you know, that's just some things that you can do to meet people. Yes, yes. Um, I had to homeschool my kids for a short period of time, and I wanted them to have groups of friends. And that having to do that for my kids made me start doing it for myself. And I have now a small group of really fun, like-minded people that we meet once a month on Fridays and spend six hours at a bar, not always drinking, sometimes playing board games at the bar, but we meet like halfway between all of our places. We're all like hours from each other. We find like a central point and we all get together. We all met through the homeschoolers community. And, but we happen to also be into the same kind of weird quirky shit. (laughs) So (laughs) I found my little group. (laughs) that just you know like by creating these random events i i love the fact that y'all play board games at a bar (laughs) like that's that's the stuff i love to see i love to see shit like that it's like outside of the norm it's like these are public spaces for you to do (laughs) public things so we're going to we're going to game like (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) oh god that's beautiful all righty so that was that um let's do a little bit of never have i ever you ready all right here we go so i know the answer to this but i have a follow-up question Uh, (laughs) (laughs) never have i ever bought a sex toy oh hell yeah i bought sex toys (laughs) hell yeah now the the follow-up question is how many do you have a bucket full (laughs) like a legitimate bucket well, it's a container. I'm looking over on my right to looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's out. I love it. Not the container of some sort. <laughs> I love it. I want to um, get enough so that I can just like get a customized chest yes. and just put them in there. And so I have a toy chest and like that's going to be the pleasure treasure box. So like <laughs> I that's that's what that's my goal for like the next year and a half is to like one find somebody that can do the custom uh, chest for me as well as get that many toys fabulous i want to see your custom chest when you have it done you got to send me a picture fabulous i got you (laughs) i love that so much (laughs) so much you know um i have another life coach that i work with um that i'm actually going to be starting up a podcast pretty soon it'll be these queer stories and we're going to uh he's a life coach for the kink community. So kink and BDSM, I'll have to introduce you sometime. Um, But we were talking about how many people don't realize um, that they actually do have a kink that like just, just the basic self-pleasure toy is outside of the vanilla spectrum. And it's okay. There's, there's, it's okay. And it's completely fun, normal, to be exploring all these things and to learn more about yourself through them so that you can communicate to your love partner, your kink partner, your erotic play family, (laughs) whatever it may be, and be able to say what you want out of your experience and what makes you feel good. And by doing that, you get more out of it and your partners do too, because they're also interested in making you happy and they don't want to think that you walked away 
saying you were happy, but really didn't get off or get everything you wanted out of that experience. So I am very much pro explore all the things, all the things. And yeah. if that means you need a treasure chest of troves of like dildos and wep- uh, whips and ch- cuffs and whatever fun lotions and potions that there may be <laughs> get it all in there and have fun with it because you're gonna have you get one life guys y'all's get one life live it with as much pleasure as you can get out of it amen amen that's another word for the episode <laughs> you have one life live it get your pleasure um uh, so I have another never have I ever for you. Oh, fun. Uh, never have I ever had a sexual experience in a darkened movie theater. <laughs> I totally did. <laughs> lucky. Lucky. I have not, uh, but I do want to do it. <laughs> I totally did a, a few times. That was fun. I do I do enjoy public displays of all kinds of affection. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I am past now the point where I'll do it with that risk involved of the law. So Mm -hmm. I will now have fun in public spaces that are meant for erotic play that are more public. But back in the day, I totally did. And that was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel as though we're at a point where we should at least be at a point where we are starting more businesses that do focus on adult play. Because I'm tired of wanting to go to like like a place for gaming and whatnot. And all I have to, I'm surrounded by children. I don't have kids at the moment and I don't want to be surrounded by kids. I came here to escape from being around kids right and we have kids free spaces like i understand that um many parents do want these spaces so that they can enjoy themselves as well as the kids can enjoy themselves but sometimes you can leave the kids at home if they're old enough or just if you have the family members that can watch them put them on the family members like can we bring back the days of actual babysitters like can we because <laughs> i'm tired of all these fucking kids <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Love them. But you I'm build it, tired. we will come. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Hopefully multiple times. Love those play on words. <laughs> right. On that note, Lori, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I definitely appreciate you. Do you have any last words that you would like to share with the audience? Sure. Yeah. You know, everybody, I, I enjoy meeting new people and helping people. And uh, I hope that you'll reach out and let me know you heard me on this episode and let me know if anything that I said really struck something with you. I like getting hearing that feedback. So I hope you'll come to my uh, website or go to my social media handles and say hi. And if you want to have a session with me um, just to see what life coaching is all about and what, how I may or may not be able to help you. The first one's always free. So you can sign up through my calendar links off my website. My website again was include lgbtq.com. And I hope you all come and say hi. Please do. Please do. 
All right, you all. Thank you so much for listening to the Holy Liquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. Just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. Beautiful. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Love you Bye. all. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.